Love Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance Hey, Songhai Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Songhai along with QT Vokes with you like normal. Real fast before we jump into things today, if you're looking for some wrestling tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, like usual. PWT in Connersville, Indiana. Tomorrow night, PPW holding a jointly promoted benefit show for Spider Murphy in Bedford, Indiana. So please check that out if you're near Bedford. Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. WGW in Villa Rica, Georgia. IPW in Muncie, Indiana. BPW in Rockwood, Michigan. EFWE in Lakeland, Florida. DCW in Salt Lake City, Utah. DCW in Gadsden, Alabama. CKW in Sherwood, Arizona. And AWF in Phoenix, Arizona with the debut tomorrow of Freya the Slayer. So make sure you get out there and support all of your local independent wrestling when it is near you. And without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the show today, Tony Strong. Welcome to the program. Thanks for taking time out of your Friday to be with us. Not a problem. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. And since it is your first time with us, we'll start you out with our traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the professional wrestling business? Well, um, <clears throat> honestly, just being a fan, watching it my whole life, growing up. and um, Back in the day, my uncle was a part of the uh, WCW ring crew. So as a kid, I got to see some of the wrestlers and be a part of it, be around it a little. And um, as I grew up, I just I figured, like, hey, why not? I mean, I love it. Pretty athletic. Felt I would be good at it. But I took, I took a stab in the dark, so to speak. Now, when your uh, uncle's on the ring crew at WCW, do you have the opportunity or the availability to sort of be around the backstage element of pro wrestling, or was that something that you didn't get to experience until you got into wrestling yourself? Not so much as being around backstage. I did get to hang out before the show because – like I said, he was on the ring crew, so they would be setting up the stage area. They would be setting up the ring and, you know, the the, the, the walkway and all that. And I could be around. I couldn't be, of course, on the site, but I could be around. And I would catch a glimpse of wrestlers here and there. But as far as being backstage, nah, that's not something I experienced until I became a wrestler. Now, in the last year, uh, pretty much to the day, 
pro wrestling, of course, entered into the pandemic era, and it has affected everybody to some degree or another. One of the major things we've noticed uh, from talking to people is a lot of wrestlers have changed their diets, especially depending on how active they are in their given area. What's the diet been like for you, and how does it compare to where you were at a year ago? Well, honestly, I, um, as a, you can say a side hustle, I'm a personal trainer, so nutrition is kind of one of my things. So my diet pretty much didn't change uh, unless you want to count. I, it increased, I would say. It increased due to boredom or, you know, home more more intense home workouts. I would say my diet increased, but as far as changes in meals and stuff like that, I really didn't change in meals because as a personal trainer outside of a professional wrestler, you have to stay consistent with your meals and your nutrition and your workouts and stuff like that. Being someone that is in the fitness industry, I'm sure it gives you sort of a natural edge anyway, but when things slow down, do you think you had an advantage over the rest of the wrestlers in your area since you are in the nutrition industry and you are working out and trying to be healthy as your side job, or do you think that there wasn't much of a difference compared to some of the other wrestlers? Um, <clears throat> well, of course, if you're going by size-wise, of course, for some of the smaller wrestlers, it's a little bit easier to do the maneuvers than some of the bigger wrestlers, but when it comes to working out, being in workout shape and wrestling shape, it's two completely different beasts. You can be as physically fit in the gym or a personal trainer or a football player, basketball player as you want to. But when you step in that ring, you're at ground zero. No one has an advantage. I mean, certain natural athleticism may help you out with some of the moves you're trying to do. But as far as the workouts, the training, the sweat, the hustle, no, didn't give us a leg up at all. Everyone starts at ground zero. Everyone's the same when it comes to that. Since we are starting to see more areas open up for pro wrestling and we're getting more and more independent shows happening right now, obviously the landscape's going to look a little bit different than it did 13 or 14 months ago. Uh, a lot of different protocols will have to be in place depending on what region a show is running. Looking at things from where you are uh, in your area where you wrestle, do you think there are going to be some significant changes made as to how pro wrestling shows are held, or do you think it's going to ease into being what it was pre-pandemic? Well, honestly, right now I'm wrestling out of Texas. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, but right now I'm living in uh, San Antonio, Texas, so I'm currently wrestling out of San Antonio, Texas. And um, honestly, I believe it will change because due to the fact the pandemic exposed people to its real, you know, things out there besides its things out there that we don't know about that can just pop up different germs, different viruses. So I think it brought more awareness to people on personal hygiene, you know, on – keep on cleanliness. So 
So I don't think wrestling shows will be held the same at all. I, I, I always think it will be protocols. Maybe there will be lighting protocols, but I do think there will be protocols as far as more cleanliness of the venue, strenuous cleaning, maybe a little distance between the people. So, you know, as we used to say in the old school, sitting in each other's laps, we won't be sitting in each other's laps in the stadium. But uh, ultimately, I think this pandemic brought a whole new awareness to germs and viruses and sicknesses and to the mortality of us humans. It made us think, like, there's stuff out there that's bigger than us that we can't help, so we got to take precautions for the future. You are also well-known as a tag team wrestler. When wrestling as a singles wrestler and wrestling as a tag team wrestler – do you have a personal preference as far as that goes, or do you take each match pretty much the same? Um, <clears throat> well, kind of, it's kind of a split fence on that one because I do approach each match individually. I do approach each match as, you know, singles or tag team. But growing up as a kid, my favorite style of wrestling was tag team. I was a big fan of the Rock and Roll Express. I was a big fan of the uh, Heart Foundation. I was a big fan of Demolition, Legion of Doom, the Steiner Brothers. The list goes on and on. I was a big fan of tag team wrestling. And if you would ask me my preference, it would be tag team wrestling. But as I said, I take every match as is, be a tag team or single. But if I have to be a little biased, I would lean more towards tag team wrestling due to the fact of big a fan as I was of tag team wrestling growing up. Now, when you're in a tag team match, do you have sort of a different strategy? Do you see the match differently being in a tag as opposed to a singles match, where as far as approaching the match, as far as strategy and game plan, uh, similar to you for singles and tags? Oh yes, I you 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 I approach the singles match way different than I approach a tag team match due to the simple fact the single match is me versus him one on one, no interference. There's no help as you can say. As opposed to a tag team match, you can plan a tag attack, a dual attack. You know you understand. Um, so you have to approach each one different because it's a completely different style of match. Singles wrestling and tag team wrestling is a completely different beast. So you have to approach every match differently like that. One of the things that has become very, very popular within pro wrestling in the last few years is deathmatch wrestling. We see a lot of deathmatch tournaments and a lot of shows that are nothing but deathmatches on it. It's sort of a niche crowd that uh, watches the death matches within the bigger genre of pro wrestling, but it seems to be growing in popularity. Do you personally have an interest in doing death matches, or is that something that you shy away from? Um, I, no, I do not have a personal interest in doing death matches. I have the utmost respect for the guys that step in the ring and put their livelihood, their bodies, their physical safety on the line. In death matches, they have my utmost respect. Those are some of the toughest guys in our business. But me, personally, my preference, I, I do not see myself doing a death match 
I can't say what will never happen because I can't predict the future, but as of right now, I do not see myself doing any death matches in the near future. As I said, I have the utmost respect for the guys that do. They're the, some of the toughest guys in our business, but I just don't foresee myself doing any death matches. One of the things that's been sort of a controversial topic in wrestling over the last several years is blood in wrestling. I know the death matches are known for blood, but in your own standard wrestling matches, people are on both sides of the fence. Should blood be allowed? Should it not? Some states have regulations on the books about what to do in case blood is introduced into a match. Of course, a lot of states don't have a commission, so it's up to the individual promotions what they do. Do you have a particular stance on blood as it relates to wrestling? I'm a firm believer in my health comes before anything. So if there's blood going to be involved, I would I would I would like that the individual the parties that are going to be involved will be tested to make sure that there's no, you know, no malice in there, no ill will, no no ill will in there or nothing that can happen to either participant. And you know, sometimes things happen, sometimes you catch blood the hard way. You know, a chair shot, a pole or you know, boot, a kick, a punch, an elbow, something can bust you open. But um, if it's going to be part of the match, I do think both parties should be tested and so just to keep both parties safe and make sure that the fans and everyone around are safe with following protocols and keeping everyone safe. Agreed. Now, for your own career, obviously everyone that's in the wrestling industry is subject to injury, but have you had many instances where you personally came up bloody during a match? Um, no, knock on wood, I have not had the unfortunate incident of being catching of catching color the hard way. I have not, but uh, I've seen I've been involved in a match where my tag team partner has, and trust me, it wasn't a pretty sight. We was we were wrestling a a fellow known as Necro Butcher, and um. Yeah, needless to say, um, Necro Butcher with a chair in his hand is a dangerous sight. So <laughs> my partner caught color the hard way. I am not surprised when it comes to Necro Butcher in a chair. <laughs> now, speaking of Necro Butcher, uh, he was in the 2000s era version of the movie The Wrestler. There's been a lot of movies based on professional wrestling pretty much since the start of pro wrestling and the start of movies. Do you personally have a favorite pro wrestling-based movie? Um, <laughs> if I'm going for re- uh, semi-realism, I'm going with The Wrestler. But if I'm going just I want to be entertained by a movie, ready to rumble. I will rule you that it has to be up in my top echelons of wrestling move for realism, the wrestler, but for just straight out, I want to watch an entertaining movie. I will go with ready to rumble. They had all, all the people I grew up watching in that movie from Hulk Hogan to Ric Flair. It was just hilarious. 
How the start of Ready to Rumble, of course, was David Arquette, who shortly after the movie came out won the WCW World title. Yeah. He has recently made a comeback to pro wrestling. He's been on several independent shows, and he's gotten trained properly. He's trying to really establish himself the proper way in wrestling this time, rather than it being strictly for publicity. Have you been following the journey of David Arquette, and do you have an opinion on what he's been able to do in the business so far? I love it. I love it. It makes me proud. It makes me proud. One, because he came from not knowing anything about wrestling to learning the craft, trying to trying to get good at it, starting from the bottom. That's 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 great. He's not trying to get over on his name or his past or anything like that. He's trying to grind from the ground up. And that makes me proud to see anyone who loves this business, who has respect for this business to learn it, know it, start from the ground up, build your foundation so you won't fall. Just because your your uncles are used to be a WCW star doesn't make you automatically one. Start from the ground up, and that's what he did, and that's what I respect about him. Um, David Arquette has gotten on the road, and he's wrestled all over the place at the independent level. When people get into wrestling, a lot of times they go on the road and they put thousands and thousands of miles on their self uh, every single month. What would you say has been the longest trip that you've made for pro wrestling? The longest trip I have made from pro for pro wrestling would be... Take from South Texas, the tip of Texas, approximately maybe 20 minutes away from Mexico to Tennessee. It's a 19-hour car ride. That is not a bad trip at all. Um, <laughs> they're in the south of Texas. Uh, years and years ago, that was the territory that the Guerrero family ran, and a lot of times when pro wrestling comes to towns currently, the fan base tends to prefer the wrestling that was around in the territorial days. Do you find uh, the pro wrestling in that region of Texas tends to gravitate more towards kind of a Lucha Libre-based uh, preference, or would you say that the tastes have changed over the years? Um, <clears throat> things are changing. Don't get me wrong, Lucha Libre is still way, way popular down this way. Lucha Libre wrestlers are great. I've, seen, I've watched them wrestle. I've wrestled in Mexico myself. I've wrestled a couple of luchadors, and they are great people. They're great entertainers, and they're great in-ring performers. But as far as the tables are turning down here, I think, you can thank WWE for the tables are turning towards more towards indie wrestling because they made wrestling more mainstream. And now people are going out, well, it's wrestling in my city. Let me check it out. It's wrestling in my city. Let me check it out because luchadores were, were dominant in South Texas, predominantly in South Texas. Then when American wrestling came in, it kind of opened doors for new things. 
when 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 WWE signed Eddie Guerrero, it brought a whole bunch of eyes from Texas on WWE, and now they saw a different style of wrestling and they liked it. So I, I would say yes, it's changing, but not luchador wrestling. Lucha style wrestling will forever and forever be the main style of wrestling for South Texas, but it's it's slowly building its fan base. One of the things that a lot of wrestlers get into at some point or another in their career is the booking aspect of pro wrestling. It's often sort of a overlooked job as far as the fans go, but it's a vital position within the wrestling industry. And yes. a lot of wrestlers will tend to gravitate towards that at some point. Is booking something that you have ever considered doing personally, or is it a position that doesn't interest you right now? Booking is probably the hardest job in the wrestling business. Due to the simple fact, you, you you not only have to book to bring the owner revenue, but you also have to book to bring fans. You also have to book so the boys in the back won't be grumping, oh, why am I doing this and what's going on with this? The booker takes all the flack, all of it. If the show go bad, it's on the booker. If the wrestler's not happy, it's on the booker. If something doesn't happen, it's on the booker. So I don't... I don't see myself putting that much pressure on myself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I don't see myself becoming a booker in the in the future. This, like as I said, that's one of the tough. That's if not the toughest job in the wrestling game. Booker's literally the guy who tries to make everyone happy, and usually polarizes at least half the roster. Exactly. Yes. One of the things that a lot of wrestlers that have traveled and done shows in multiple places is they tend to find that one ring that they most enjoy to wrestle inside more than any other rings. Uh, there's a variety of rings which fans may not truly grasp or appreciate, but variances in size of rings, uh, you have variances in what the ropes are made of, there's variances in uh, the type of wood that is used to create it, the height, there's a lot of different types of rings out there. Do you Mm -hmm. personally have a favorite physical ring that you've used in your career? My favorite ring is the one located in McAllen, Texas. It's at a promotion known as the Wrestling Revolution in McAllen, Texas. Um, that is the by far the best physical ring I've been in. Um, the ropes are perfect height. Um, there's just just enough give to the mat. Um, it's perfect. I I I I I can wrestle in that ring all day. Now, speaking of all day, there have been on occasion promotions that have produced 24-hour-long shows. 
Uh, they're usually some type of benefit that the promoters will use for 24 hours to generate interest and generate people donating to whatever cause. I know everybody that's been in the business has been on shows that they thought <laughs> were going to never end. They just went on and on for whatever reasons. What would you say has been the longest show that you've been a part of so far? Uh, the longest show. A few years back, it was a festival in Laredo, Texas, and it was a three-day event. The events went on all day. Uh, I can't remember the exact name of the festival. All I know is I had a total of nine or ten matches in the span of three days. So yeah, that that it seemed like that show would never ever end. I think I I don't even remember sleep. I think sleep was like Tinkerbell, a fantasy. Never saw her that whole weekend. <laughs> That is a long uh, show for sure, going that long that many times out to the ring for sure. Yeah, I've never changed out of my gear. Oh, I I can believe it. My personal best was a three-day event where between managing, wrestling, and various other aspects, I went out 19 times total. So my Oh, wow. Definitely I definitely feel you on that. Yeah, you do. You got me beat on that one. <laughs> well, at this point, my co-host QT is standing by, and I know he has questions as well, so I'm going to pass things to him. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Sign Guy. Hello, Tony. How you doing, QT? Oh, I'm doing very well. Um, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to the support that our Turnbuckle Turmoil listeners have given us through the years. We're up, I think we're on about our 1,490th show. 1,490. Oh, wow. That's it's, awesome. been a, it's been a decade of dominance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Tony, I saw your YouTube video entitled, Tony Strong Has One Question for DeMarc and DG after a big win for Unstoppable at Amazing Mania. My question is, uh, who is this Demarcus Rashad and DG Taylor? Can you tell us the name of this tag team that were your opponents? The Bushido Kings. Marcus Rashad, DG Taylor, known as the Bushido Kings. I see. Now, when you mentioned Bushito, that was a code that uh, uh, Japanese troops in World War II adhered to, the Bushito Code. It means pretty much never giving up in the face of adversity and will be willing to die for the emperor, the Bushito Code. Have you yourself heard of this Bushido Code that the Japanese troops and sailors adhered to in World War II? Yes, yes, I did. I've heard of it. I'm very familiar with it. Oh, okay. Well, now they have. They also had the Kamikaze code. Uh, they well, the Kamikaze pilots for the Japanese in World War II also adhered to the Bushito code. Uh, 
Did you know that literally translated kamikaze means divine wind? No, I had no idea of it. Oh, okay. Yes. And uh, there was an aircraft carrier in World War II, the Hornet, uh, that got hit by several kamikazes. And it is now a floating museum in Alameda, California, and they say it is a very haunted place. People uh, take tours of the ship, and they often see people in World War II khaki uniforms climbing up and down ladders. My question is, have you yourself heard of this aircraft carrier called the Hornet? I've heard of the Hornet. I'm not very in-depth on knowledge of it, but I have heard, have heard of the Hornet. Oh, okay. Well, uh, for your home turnbuckle turmoil homework assignment, you might look up the Hornet and read about uh, people seeing haunted fallen sailors. Okay. I myself bring up this haunted fallen sailors because I have a feeling Demarcus Rashad and DJ DG Taylor, when they hang up the boots and pass on to that great ring in the sky they will be haunted by your victories over them in the afterlife. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm getting at. Okay. (laughs) I see what you're getting at. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Tony, would you classify DeMarcus Rashad and D.G. Taylor as a tag team, a true cruiserweight tag team, or they have a combined weight of under 400 pounds or an average of under 200 pounds each. Do they fall into this category? Yes. Oh, okay. Can you give us the approximate weight of DeMarcus Rashad? No, I can't. I don't know DeMarcus Rashad approximate weight. If, I'm ha- if I have to guesstimate, I would say somewhere between 180 and 195. Oh, Okay. How about D.G. Taylor? D.G. Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know for a fact, but if I have to guesstimate, I would say around 135, 140 pounds. Oh, my gosh. In in boxing terms, he would probably be a super lightweight then. Super lightweight. Yes. A very tall super lightweight. Wow. All right. Maybe, maybe. Uh, do you remember uh, um, a boxer from the late '70s and '80s, Tommy the Hitman Hearns? Yes, I remember the Hitman Hearns. His fight with Marvin Hagler was epic. Still, the greatest fight in boxing history ever. Well, now there were a trio of uh, a, bo- a trio of fights um, between Rocky Graziano and Tony Zale that you might want to look up, um, mm. two middleweight fighters back in the fifties, uh, Rocky okay. Graziano. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, in, in your video at the 39 second mark, you said not only does the unstoppable do what the unstoppable does. My question is, does this mean when you are on the road, you stop at condiment packet-friendly restaurants like Arby's <laughs> to cut down on your condiment overheads. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Harvey's is one of my favorite restaurants, but uh, <laughs> we're on a road trip and we pass the Arby's. More than likely, we are stopping. Oh, now, okay, so you're claiming that your statement, not only does the unstoppable do what the unstoppable unstoppable does, that might not pertain to uh, Arby condiment packets? <laughs> no, that might, that doesn't, that, no, it doesn't matter at all. Oh, okay. All right. I only ask this because Sign Guy and myself have covered the topic of wrestlers on the road adhering to a strict budget. I I remember hearing about uh, in the 1930s, two of my great uncles would collect tomato soup packets and make, uh, I mean, tomato soup, uh, I mean, tomato packets and make tomato soup out of them. That's what I'm getting at. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yes. Normally, road trips consist of uh, Love's Truck Stop, Bucky's, and gas stations. Oh, Okay. Do you yourself stay away from the sushi uh, served in gas stations? Yes. Sushi. Never oh, eat gas good. station sushi. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, now, Tony, in that uh, video, uh, Tony Strong has one question for DeMarks. Can you tell our turnbuckle turmoil, you mentioned uh, that your homeboy pimp. Can you tell us what his street profession is? His street profession? Yes. Um, well, as far as I know, his profession is a professional wrestler. Now, the terminology you're thinking of is PIMP. It's an acronym. It's not meaning the word PIMP. It's an acronym for a professional, independent, motivated, oh, I'm sorry, properly independent, motivated, professional. Oh, okay. P-I-M-P. His, the name is Total P-I-M-P, not Total Pimp. People just lazy uh, and don't want to ask. Okay. All right. Well, now, Tony, did you see the Seinfeld episode where Kramer got arrested by, because the police mistook him for a pimp? Yes, I saw the episode. <laughs> Oh, okay, yes, he had the walking cane and the brimmed hat, and he came upon a girl getting intimate in his car, and he started to uh, uh, wrestle with her. Yes. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's funny. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad. Many. I'm just asking that question because many of our interviewees uh, list that Seinfeld episode of Kramer walking down the street in that multicolored shirt looking like a pimp as inspiration for the workouts they have. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. All right. All right. Well, Tony, in the near future, do you think that we will see a wrestler make his debut uh, in the indie circuit as uh, named the culture of cancel? Honestly, I wouldn't. I would not put it past indie wrestling. I would not put it past indie wrestling. It's all. It's already a guy calling himself Twisted T. So I would not put it past independent wrestling. <laughs> okay. All right. Were you yourself a big fan of the '80s glam rock group 
Culture Club with Boy George? I Yes. I have to say yes because of my older sister. Oh, okay. All right. Did you yourself ever use the Karma Karma Chameleon song as your entrance music? No. <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, Tony, different parts of the <laughs> culture club, yes. Okay. Well, Tony, uh, different parts of the country have different um, agricultural products. And I know in the southeast, especially the Georgia area, that peaches are king. How big of a fan are you of peach cobbler? Oh, man, I love peach cobbler. I'm a real big oh, fan. Okay. I, love, I have a peach cobbler on my counter right now. You do? How did I know yes. this? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Okay. Is your peach cobbler heated and do you have a scoop of ice cream on it? <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> Get out of my kitchen. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, I I installed a hidden camera in your kitchen. Yes, prior to the interview. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just asking because uh, I knew peach cobbler was uh, big in the southeast. Here in the northwest, it's apple apple uh, pie or a variant of cobbler. Mm-hmm. Apple. Okay. 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 Well, Tony, I would now like to take this moment to read you a passage uh, from Pat Riley, a former coach of the L.A. Lakers, and his New York Times bestseller, The Winner Within. Are you uh, ready to listen to a passage, which I think you will find very interesting? Okay. Okay. This is on page um, uh, 84. Um, Here we go, Pat Riley. Rocked by adversity, people often get so so much empathy and caring poured on them that their own misfortune actually starts to feel good, sort of special. What a tough break, everyone tells them. You don't deserve it. What soothing consolation. But sympathy is like junk food. And I'd like to take a moment. It's not like that peach cobbler that you have in your house. Okay. (laughs) It has no real nourishment. The emptiness comes back very quickly. And nothing gets accomplished in the meantime. There is never really any release from the consequences of adversity until you decide to do something about them. Forget about sympathy. Strengthen your state of mind instead. Even if the odds have shifted against you, go after your goal with the same effort, the same belief, and the same faith. Somewhere in the 1983 finals, we made the classic resignation to adversity. We decided it's okay we're not, we're not supposed to win. And that decision made us let down even more. 
When we went into the locker room after the last lot, we all had our heads down for a moment. Then we looked at each other and said, hey, it was a good season anyway. The subconscious auto-suggestion of blameless defeat. Wow, that was a very powerful passage from Pat Riley. It pretty much suggests don't listen to your subconsciousness when you face adversity. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Now, uh, I, Tony, I also have a passage from a book called The Masked Seat by Charles Whaley. And this was a man who wrestled, and his true profession was a pastor. But to make ends meet... He also uh, wrestled as the ma- uh, in a ma- lucha map. Would you like me to read a passage from the Mass Saint? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Now this is from page ninety-eight. Okay. Once when I was in the seminary, things were a little tight financially. I was worrying about making ends meet. I tried to wrestle wherever I could but I was near the end of school and I had a lot of work to do. So I was not able to wrestle as much as I needed to for our finances. I thought about Miss Edna's lesson on worry. I was counting on God to help me. That night I was wrestling in Dallas. Since it was a Friday night, I took my girls with me. They didn't get to see dad wrestle often because of school. This was a special night. I would wrestle in the first match, and then we would go out for pizza afterwards and have our Friday night fun night. After my match, I went back to the dressing room to shower and get dressed. As I walked into the dressing room, the promoter was asking if anyone wanted to wrestle again. One of the wrestlers was unable to make it because of an injury. I sure needed the money. But who would I be wrestling against? The promoter said the match would be against Mean Mark. Today, he wrestles as the Undertaker. I knew then this young man would be a star one day. He was six foot eight and 315 pounds. I told the promoter I would do it. I quickly asked one of the referees to go outside and let my wife know that I would be wrestling one more match. But I also told him to tell my girls we would still get pizza after the match. I didn't want to disappoint them. I went out to the ring before Mark. The star always enters the ring last. I found my wife and girl in the crowd. I wanted to see their expressions when mean Mark, the undertaker, walked into the arena. When the music started and Mark made his way into the arena, my girls started crying. My wife quickly picked up her purse and started looking through it like she had lost something. The match started, and I wrestled 20 minutes against The Undertaker. It was a night to remember. Now, I thought I'd read you that passage because it's been confirmed that The Undertaker did not come out to the culture club karma chameleon. That's what I was getting at. (laughs) But uh, hey. <laughs> it, 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 
it was a good book, the the Mass Saint. That's what that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> oh wow! All right. Well, I'm pretty sure the Undertaker did not come out to Culture Club. I remember growing up in Georgia. I remember seeing the Undertaker when he was Mark Callis on the Memphis scene. Ooh. Holy yeah. smokes. Okay. You got to see him live then? Yes. I got to see him live. He came to Atlanta. I got to see him live when he was tag teaming with Dangerous Dan Spivey, managed by Teddy Long as the skyscrapers. Holy smoke. Now that's some historic stuff right there. Wow. Boy. What was your impression when you first saw The Undertaker? He didn't have the, he didn't have the eerie music then. He wasn't he wasn't managed by Paul Bearer, of course. When I first saw when I first saw him live with Dangerous Dan Spivey, I was like, Whoa, these are that's a big boy. Like he looked like he will beat you up if like I grew up watching wrestling in the eighties, you know, Crockett promotion, stuff like that, and wrestlers back then majority of them looked like if you run into them in the bar they would rip your face off. And he looked like one of those guys. I was like, whoa, I was very impressed and very intimidated. If you could if you could travel back in time, who would you rather meet at an autograph uh, signing session, Pat Riley or The Undertaker? Mm, Undertaker. Okay. How about Lou Alcindor? Or uh, better known as Kareem Abdul Jabbar or The Undertaker? The Undertaker. All right. Did you ever see the Bruce Lee movie where he fought uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Bruce Lee? Yes. I think that movie, I think it was called Enter the Dragon. Enter no. the Dragon. Oh. No. Enter the Dragon was the one movie, was the movie that. Premier Bolo Young. The one you're thinking about is the game of death. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, Tony, did you know that uh, Bruce Lee once turned down a movie uh, and they proposed this to be shot on Alcatraz where Bruce Lee was a prisoner that wouldn't conform to prison standards and it was called Enter the Fist? <laughs> he turned it down. Yes, I would imagine so. <laughs> oh, okay. I, would, I would imagine so. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, I've got to get to my stoop job now. I'm going to turn it back over to Stein Guy, and I hope in the future that you will uh, incorporate uh, some songs from Culture Club into your entrance. <laughs> Not a problem. Okay. Oh, okay. Back to you, son, guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that we have learned in the last year is that independent promotions as well as independent wrestlers rely a lot on merchandising and streaming services to really survive. We saw a lot of promotions selling 
their merchandise online, which kind of kept the doors open. A lot of wrestlers needed that merchandise money in order to make ends meet. Streaming services became very important so that there was still a platform for the wrestlers, by and large, to be seen. Do you think going further into 2021 that we're going to see the way that merchandising and viewing independent wrestling changes, or do you think that things will eventually be back to how they were, say, a year and a half ago? Uh, <clears throat> what did you say? With with this past this past 13 months, so this past year, it's shown us that streaming does work, and it, streaming also allows um, for fans from places that can't get to your show to be at your show. And as far as merchandising, yeah, I mean, look at the rise of Amazon. Look at the rise of Walmart.com, home delivery things. The people want it. They they want to be in the luxury of their home but still enjoy the luxuries of being away from their home. That's what delivery and streaming forces, streaming media services do for them. It allows them to be comfortable in their living room but still be right ringside with the action at the same time. I do believe that streaming services will change the way people view independent wrestling. Not much because you will always have live shows. You will always have the fans that want to go to the live show to experience the the, the energy, the sounds, the sights, to see the wrestlers up close. But just think about it. Millions and millions of people watch WWE on television turn around and hundreds of thousands go to live events every, all the way. So, you know, streaming will, 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 will revolutionize how we see independent wrestling. Now that some most independent wrestlers are now on those streaming services like YouTube, like Facebook, like Instagram or, or, or TikTok. Now that so now that wrestler wrestling promotions have access to those, they can be put out there to a wider audience. Another thing that increased in popularity at every single level of wrestling from the most major promotions on down is the cinematic match, especially when things were unable to be uh, held in front of a live audience. A lot of promotions use the opportunity to experiment with cinematic matches to a number of different degrees. Independent shows are now using cinematic matches since uh, streaming services are more widely available and there's more of a revenue for that. What do you think of the advent of the cinematic match era that we now see in pro wrestling? Um, I'm a fan of cinematic matches to a certain degree. Um, But I feel by it being so many independent promotions and so many promoters or owners having this idea at the same time that I feel like it's going to get oversaturated really fast. Really fast. Because don't get me wrong, it would be a great gimmick. But seeing how many would do the gimmick, it's going to get oversaturated. Have you personally ever been 
ask to participate in a cinematic match or even have participated in a cinematic match? No, I have I have I have not I have not been asked. I'm not I'm not opposed to participating in a cinematic match. Actually, I would like to participate in a cinematic match, but as I was saying, I feel like so many promoters are going to try it and so many are going to do it wrong to where it's going to overshadow the ones that are doing it right. And um I'm all for being in a cinematic match. Um, you know, I have not been asked to be in a cinematic match because the promotions I deal with, they have not graduated to cinematic matches yet, but I'm open for one if one should come on the table. Now, like I was saying a little bit ago, merchandise became more important in the last year than ever before, and it has always been important especially at the independent level for the wrestlers involved to really make their money. They often make quite a bit more off merchandise than they do being paid to wrestle. What in your career has been your merchandise uh, situation? Do you have a lot of it? Do you uh, keep a good supply? Do you go through an online retailer? How do you like to do your merchandise? Um, I keep a steady supply of it. I kind of try to stray away from online retailers because um, I like to see my money, and you know I like to see what I'm getting in, what I put out, what I get out of what I put in. So I tend to uh, create my my own merch: Um, shot glasses, cups, mugs, hats, shirts, joggers. Whatever I have at the time, I tend to keep a heavy. I tend to keep a pretty good stock of it on my person at the shows I go to, so I can have it handy. So, you know, and also fans can order online through my personal Facebook page or Instagram page. Um, yeah, I tend to have a tend to keep it on me at hand, so it's easy at hand. We're down to the final few minutes today of the show, and I want to make sure you have ample time. If there's anything you would like to say to the listeners, plug and promote anything and everything, the social medias, the upcoming appearances, the merchandise, your favorite bakery, anything in the world, floor is all yours. All right. Well, um, you can catch me. Um, this coming up March 27th at TWL, that's TW Texas Wrestling League, coming out of uh, McAllen, Texas. You can also catch me the following night at Valley Wrestling Matches, coming out of Edinburgh, Texas, that's March 28th. Um, you can catch the Wrestling Revolution every month at the brewery located in McAllen, Texas. And um, you can, you want to see more videos, want to see more outtakes, you can hit me up on my Facebook. That is Tony Strong, a.k.a. Mr. Entertainment at Facebook.com. Uh, yeah, tune into my YouTube channel, Tony Strong at gmail.com on YouTube. Hit me up, give your boy a like, give your boy a follow, and prepare to be entertained. Tony, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. We appreciate it immensely and best of luck to you as you continue into 2021 with all the live shows you got all right thank you for having me i appreciate it and um 
I'll be giving you guys a shout out. All right, fans, definitely if you see Tony Strong is going to be on a show near you, buy yourself a ticket and check him out. Great, great athlete. You're going to enjoy him. So if you're in the Texas area, keep an eye out for shows where he will be appearing. We will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. This coming Sunday we have, for the very first time, shockingly enough, gorgeous Michelle Starr out of British Columbia. And then we will be back with you one week from today, and we will have with us Daya Fuller, the Butcher Debashi. So make sure you have plans to be with us, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>